Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. One church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Let's get into the word today. My God. See, that would have been a good place to sow. I said that would have been a great place to sow. Lift your Bibles. Let's make our confession of faith together. Let's say it, y'all. I am unconditionally loved by God and at Harvest Church. I'm in my year of acceleration, accelerated progress, accelerated faith. This year, all I do is win. In Jesus' name, Selah. Remain standing for just a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, New Testament book. It's the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Subsequently, they're called the Corinthians. And uh, we're in our series, Holy Spirit, week number seven. It's the God in you. And I encourage you to get the previous messages, catch up on them if you're not familiar with where we are. Y'all ready to go to work, church? 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Say, there's a treasure in me. Now say it like me to say, there's a treasure in me. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Verse 8. Well, watch this. This is all of our testimony. You ready? We are hard pressed. Watch this. On every side. I, 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 says, I, says, I don't know who I'm talking to today, but the reality is it seems like lately you ain't been able to get any type of relief. Because every side is pressing you in. Every side is creating pressure. We're hard-pressed on every side, yet not what? Crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Watch verse 9. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. I like this last one. Struck down. Took some losses. Took some wounds, took some hits, took some issues, but watch this, but not destroyed. Would you encourage the person next to you and just tell them this? They says, you got breath in your body. I need to tell you, God's not done with you yet. Say, and matter of fact, you've been afflicted because you're so gifted. Oh, somebody's going to get this today. I came... I came gunslinging this morning. Just look at somebody else next to you and say, you were afflicted because you were gifted. 
Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you and honor you for your word today. Speak today with clarity. Answer every question. Move in this place through miracles, signs, and wonders. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody say Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. We're in this series called the Holy Spirit, which is this concept of the God in you. And I want to encourage you to catch up on the first few messages on YouTube or Facebook or even auto message through our mobile app. One of the things the Holy Spirit does is give us spiritual gifts. And I need to tell you something. Can I tell you something? From the minute you were born, you've been a target. Because when you were born, you were the solution to a problem. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I sanctified you. That means I set you apart. You don't get to be like everybody else. You don't get to live like everybody else. You don't get to talk like everybody else. That's why some of you can never fit in with the groups you try to fit in with. Because God says, Before you were born, I sanctified you. I set you apart. Which means even in a group, you'd still stand out. And he says, I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. God says to Jeremiah, he says, Jeremiah, before you got here, I set you apart so that you will not be able to fit in with just anybody. I set you apart so you will not be able to go around just anybody. That's why God's got you at harvest. Why? Because there's a bunch of other folk that's been sanctified and set apart for God's special purpose. Look at your neighbor and say, you've been a target your whole life. See, you, when you were born, you are the solution to a problem that would exist in your lifetime. And what makes you a target is what is in you. It's what God placed in you. Satan sat in the presence of greatness since before the beginning. So when he saw you, he recognized something familiar. I'm going to say it again. Satan, since before the beginning, he sat in the very presence of God Almighty, which means he knows what greatness looks like. So when he saw you, he saw something familiar. He saw something he's seen before. Somebody say, there's greatness in me. And as a result, you've been afflicted, not because of how bad you were, but because of how gifted you are. And this is why the enemy would have loved to keep you away from harvest so that you would never discover who you are. Because he knew that if you did, hell would have hell to pay. I'm trying to tell somebody you were afflicted because you're gifted. And the goal of the affliction is to get you so wrapped up in your problems that you never unwrap the gift that is in you. God formed you from the inside out and placed spiritual gifts in you to change the lives of others. And the Apostle Paul says that there's a treasure in you. Say there's a treasure in me. Here's what that treasure is. Let me give you the equation. It's lessons from your losses. It's wisdom from your wounds. And it's your spiritual gifts. I'm going to give it to you again. It's lessons from your losses. I don't know about you, but when I lost some stuff, I remember those lessons. When you lost sleep, you remember those lessons. When you lost a house, you remember that lesson. When you lose a car, you remember that lesson. When you lose your self-esteem, you'll make a vow to yourself that I'll never get in a messed up relationship like that. Somebody said, I learned from my losses. But then he gives me wisdom from my wounds. There were some people that got close enough to hurt you. You do know that a Judas can only be a Judas if they're up close and personal. There's some wisdom you got from your wounds. In fact, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that it is through much pain, through much suffering that one obtains wisdom. Which means the only way to be wise is I've got to be wounded. Which means somebody in here, stop thinking you were so messed up and jacked up. Instead say, wait a minute, all of my wounds gave me wisdom. What's wisdom, Bishop? Wisdom is the appropriate application of knowledge. See, knowledge is knowing what to do. Wisdom is knowing how to do it and why it needs to be done. Uh, see, knowledge is knowing what to do, but wisdom is finding a shortcut to get it done. You want to know what made you wise? It wasn't where you went to school. 
it, it, it wasn't it wasn't where you grew up it isn't your pedigree it isn't your background no what made you wise is your wounds huh? and I came to talk to somebody that the truth be told since you came out your mama's womb it seems like you've been wounded over and over and over and over again but you need to look at those wounds and say thank you why because that was giving me wisdom I know how to take a shortcut now I know how to get to my destination more quickly now it is lessons from your losses wisdom from your wounds and your spiritual gifts check this out and it's released the apostle Paul says when you're hard pressed on every side yet not crushed think about this when you anybody ever hard press your toothpaste Everybody in here has done that. Where your toothpaste is about five, it's about ready to give up. But here's what you do. You keep pressing. And we got all kind of tricks, right? You'll get something smooth. To... Or watch this. Some of y'all use the roll up. Because in your mind, there's still some good stuff in here. Let me talk to this side of the church because they ain't talking to me. What God does is when you think you can't take no more, he'll scrape you and he'll roll you up because God says there's still some good stuff in here. Would you shake your neighbor's arm like you're going to shake it off and say there's some good stuff in here? It says hard pressed and not crushed. But says, then it says perplexed but not in despair. Here's why you're perplexed. Here's why we get perplexed, confused, unsure. We're often perplexed because we're trying to understand why. And here's, here's what you need to understand. That's because God hides something you need to find out about yourself and someone or something you don't enjoy. Say it again. God hides something you need to find out about yourself and someone or something you don't enjoy. So the reason you're perplexed is because you're trying to figure out, God, why is this happening to me? When instead you need to say, what is this teaching me about most? Instead of saying, why did I go through that? You need to say, what was that teaching me about myself? See, I learned I could take a licking and keep on ticking. I learned I could be like the Energizer Bunny. I just keep going and going and going. God often hides something you need and somebody you don't enjoy. And every time you see him, it's like sandpaper. And he's like, it's good for you. Because I hide something you need in someone or something that you don't enjoy. Then the Apostle Paul, see, this is how you get the treasure out. What's the treasure? Lessons from your losses, wisdom from your wounds, and your spiritual gifts. Give me the equation, church. Lessons from your losses, wisdom from your wounds, and your spiritual gifts. That's the treasure. And Paul says the only way it comes out is you got to be hard-pressed, not crushed. Perplexed, not in despair. Watch this next one. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Now, an enemy, say an enemy. An enemy persecutes you, taunts you. Okay? <laughs> Who are you? You think you're going to beat this? You think you got what it takes? And it's taken down some other people. So it suspects it can do the same thing to you. See, drug addiction took somebody else down in your bloodline until it got to you. Bad relationships took other people down in your bloodline until it got to you. Y'all not talking to me. Alcoholism took other people down in your bloodline. Divorce took other people down in your bloodline until it got to you. So the apostle Paul says we're persecuted. Our enemies taunting us. 
wakes you up in the middle of the night. Makes you roll around in the bed. How am I going to figure this out? How am I going to get this done? I'm 50. I thought I would have had it done by now. I'm 60. I thought I would have had it done by now. I'm 21. I thought I would have had it done by now. I'm 15 years old, Bishop. I thought I would have had it done. Watch. Enemies. <laughs> Is anything that opposes your forward progress? That's an enemy. So if I'm trying to go this way and this is in my way, what's the enemy? The pulpit is. If I'm trying to go this way and get forward to get to this front row, what's my enemy? This is. Which means an enemy has the ability to shape shift. Predicated upon where you're headed. What could have been for you last week might be your enemy this week. Because it's in the way of your forward progress. But here's what's unique about every enemy. Watch this. There's a movie I like. I've told you before, if you've been here for a little while, it's called Vampire in Brooklyn. I like it because it's funny. Um, Eddie Murphy's in it. It's supposed to be a horror movie, but Eddie Murphy's in it. <laughs> and y'all know Eddie. Eddie will be 15 characters in his movies. He's like, I'm not paying all this extra talent. Just <laughs> Some of y'all, that's the problem. You got too many people on your life payroll for stuff you could do. You got people you keep around to encourage you and you could encourage yourself. And you keep them on payroll, buying them lunch, take them everywhere, do this and that. Touch your neighbor and say, you got too many people on your payroll. Got too many people on your payroll. Watch, watch, watch this, watch this, watch this. In the movie, he shapeshifts. He shapeshifts into this preacher, Preacher Paulie. And, and when he shapeshifts the preacher Paul, he walks into the church. And of course, you know the old deal. The name of the movie is what? Vampire in Brooklyn. So he's a vampire, right? So he can't look at the cross. So he walks into the church. He sees the cross. And he starts, you know, it's so funny. He starts bubbling up. And then, and then he shouts out something that I, I ain't going to say today. <laughs> Give me fifth Sunday, though. <laughs> he shouts it out. And then they say, we're going to go have church outside. They go have church outside, the choir singing, and Preacher Paul is preaching, and Preacher Paul sees uh, 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 one of the people he's trying to go after, and he's, you know, every vampire trying to get booed up. I just said something right there. I just said something right there. Go find the, the, the message, Spirit of Lilith, it'll make sense. And so, and so Preacher Paul is out there, and my Preacher Paul is preaching, say, Preacher Paul, say, Preach, Preacher Paul. My Preacher Paul is preaching. Preacher Paul says, evil is necessary. Then he says, therefore, if evil, somebody say evil, evil, if evil is necessary, if it's necessary, therefore, evil must be good. I said, it's good, it's good, ain't it? It's good. That's right. They said, that's right, fast. That's right, Preacher Paul. Say, preach, Preacher Paul. But here's the truth. Even though Preacher Paul was a fictional character in a movie that's supposed to be a horror movie, but it's a comedy because Eddie Murphy's in it. What he said is true. Evil is necessary. Therefore, watch this, when it's in your life, it is for your good. How you know that, Bishop? I'll tell you how. Because watch this, strength only comes through resistance. 
We got a lot of fit people in our church. You might be one of them or maybe you're sitting next to one of them. And here's what you need to know. They understand this, that cardio is only going to do so much. But you're going to have to get into resistance training so that you can build muscle so you can, watch this, increase your metabolism so your body will start to burn fat when you ain't even working out. I'm going to tell somebody, when you've got resistance, what's that? Evil, what's that? An enemy, anything that's opposing my forward progress. Even when you ain't living and walking out your day, you're still building a resistance to your enemy. Somebody say, evil is for my good. That's why the scripture says, I feel like preaching for just a moment. He makes all things work together for the good. He'll take evil and he'll make it work for my good. He'll take nasty and make it work for my good. He'll take haters and cause them to be my elephant. He makes it work for my good. So evil is necessary. By the way, for everybody in here who prays for strength, put your hand up. You ever pray for strength? Can I tell you what you really pray for? More resistance. When you ask God for strength, what you thought is you were going to go into the telephone booth and come out as Superman or Superwoman. Instead, what he did is say, put some more weight on. You missed it. Every time you say, Lord, give me strength, he says, fine, put some more weight on her because she wants more strength, so put some weight on her. And baby, you better carry it and you better not drop it. Look at your neighbor. Say, if you ask him for strength, Say, then you're asking for resistance. Some of you, the hell you're dealing with is the answer to your prayer. Paul says, persecuted but not forsaken. Then he says, struck down but not destroyed. Struck down. Struck down to me sounds like a legal proceeding. One attorney makes an objection. The, earning, the, the judge will say either sustain, which means I agree with it, or overrule. In other words, what you just said, because I, 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 I sustain it, I agree with what they said. Or if I disagree with what they said, I overrule it. What you ask the court to do, the court may do it, or the court may strike it down. The court may strike down a law and say, this is not this anymore. This is not that anymore. Notice what the Bible says. Struck down. Took some no's. Took some betrayals. Took, took, took some prayers that haven't been answered yet. Struck down. But notice what the Apostle Paul says. But I'm not destroyed, though. I'm still here. So if I'm still here, God's not done. Because you can strike me down, but I can file an appeal. Be a good church. And for some of you, you need to know the stage of life you're at right now as this year gets ready to come to a close is that, watch this, you took some strike downs. You took some losses. But what you need to know is God says, when you going to file your appeal? You sat there and took no, but you better file an appeal. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The scripture says life and death are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat its fruit. I can call things that be not as though they were, which means I don't care how you struck me down. With my mouth, I can file an appeal. So for some of you, like, how is God going to turn it around? File an appeal. For some of you, like, how is this going to get better? File your appeal. Paul says... Paul says, y'all still here? 
Hard-pressed, not crushed. Perplexed, not in despair. Persecuted, not forsaken. Struck down, not destroyed. Here's what he's saying. You're afflicted and sifted, but you're still gifted. <laughs> you're afflicted and sifted, but you're still gifted. Afflicted and gifted, sifted, but you're still gifted. Gifted, but I got to be afflicted and sifted. Hey. You want to know something? Here's your neighbor's problem. They think they're the only one. So in the day, they talk about how discouraged they are. Why me? What's God, why? I, Lord, why? Why? Come on, can we be honest? How many of us this year we've said to the Lord, why? We, we, we all have. And if you ain't said why, you a lie. No, I'm just, I'm just beating you up. Just, I'm just beating you up. Excuse me, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just joking with you is what I'm trying to say. But you want to know something? While you are unique, look at me, your story isn't. See, look at your neighbor. They might be white, black, Hispanic, Latino, Asian, other, <laughs> mixture. The truth be told, we all mix with a whole lot of everything. The Bible says Noah and his three sons populated the whole earth. So before you get off thinking this, that, and the other, check the book. So, 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 so check this out. Your neighbor might be shorter than you, taller than you. But here's the reality is the story is all the same. When you're gifted, you must be afflicted. Why? That's the only way to get the treasure. What's the treasure? Lesson from your losses. Wisdom from your wounds and your spiritual gifts. Now, now take this out, church. Joseph, Bible's full of examples. Joseph, you know Joseph. Joseph uh, went through hell. Joseph was the son of Isaac, and as the son uh, of Isaac, uh, Joseph, uh, Joseph is now one who, of his brothers, Joseph is, is now taunted. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Joseph is now the 11th son. Say 11th son. 11th son. 11 means chaos and confusion. <laughs> so he's the one whose name, the name Joseph means increase. God increases me. Yet in succession, he's chaos and confusion. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting, the interesting dichotomy that even you and I are? That while certain things have been declared about us or proclaimed over us, or you won't do this or this, that, and the other, the reality is, is there's still a promise that God has spoken and decreed over your life. So Joseph, Joseph, as he's, as he's, as he's going through life, Joseph would be betrayed by his own brothers. Say betrayed by his own brothers. Isn't that something? That you be uh, that you be betrayed by your own brothers. I, I said, isn't that something that you could be betrayed by your own flesh and blood? 
Isn't that something that you would be betrayed by the people who are supposed to protect you, but they are, in fact, the people that hurt you? I, 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 I. I, I think there are some people in here that your greatest wounds, watch this, came from people you used to say good night, love you too. I misspoke. I said the son of Isaac is the son of Jacob. But, and, and Joseph is interesting because Joseph, he's sold into slavery. After Joseph is sold into slavery, Joseph now, he's sold into slavery. Say so he's in a pit. Then he becomes uh, a, a worker, a slave in the house of this man named Potiphar. Potiphar's wife wanted to get with him. Joseph was like, no, I just come here to work. She was like, I know I got some other work in mind for you. And Joseph was like, no, leave him alone. And the Bible says because he wouldn't lie with her, she lied on him. So then he's thrown into prison. And when he's thrown into prison, he becomes the warden of the prison as a prisoner himself. And everywhere in Joseph's life, it says that the Lord was with Joseph and the Lord favored Joseph. Yet Joseph is constantly afflicted. Catch it. Even though he's afflicted, God says, Joseph, you're still gifted. So Joseph spends his life, check this out, he spends his life from age 17, he spends his life dealing with chronic instability. Why? Because he's gifted administratively. How do you know that, Bishop? Because Joseph would become the prime minister of Egypt to rule over the government. He was gifted to administrate. He was gifted to make things happen. And so whenever you're gifted, you must be what? Afflicted. So the greatest affliction you can give to somebody that's administratively gifted, you didn't know that was a gift, huh? You're about to find out there's a whole lot of stuff in you you didn't know was in there. Whenever you're gifted administratively, what's the greatest way to afflict you? Instability. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not sure what to do. For some of you, that's your real issue in life is that you've dealt with instability after instability after instability after instability. And what you're searching for now is can things just finally be stable for me? I'm so sick of up and down and up and down and moving over here and living over there and living over there and this one with me and that one with me. I need some stability. He's afflicted, but he's still gifted. David, you know King David. King David, as a young boy, his father looked over him. Jesse was his father's name. And uh, at the age of 16, approximately, the man of God comes into the house. He said, there's a king in here. And so Jesse puts all of his sons up except David. And he says, he says, uh, the man of God says, there's got to be somebody else here. Because none of these, they look like kings. But there ain't no treasure in there. Seven sons of Jesse pass before the man of God. And the man of God says, none of these are the guys. None of these guys, watch this, they have the look, but they don't have the gift. You will always have more counterfeits than you do the real thing. You'll always have more fake friends than real ones. You'd always have more fake supporters than real ones. Don't you get caught up in social media and think that those likes and shares mean people that are really in your corner. Come on here. Y'all not saying nothing to me. There were seven counterfeits, and the man of God says, I'm not sitting down until I find the one that's gifted. He said, there yet remains one. Davy. Davy's out there with the sheep, but he stinks. He looks good, but his work is rough. Ooh, I'm going to come down your row. 
He doesn't look like, watch this, he could ever be a king based on what he's doing now. Let me preach to somebody where you better not judge your future based on your present. Because what you're doing now, God's got the ability to turn the tables. You may have been the tail, but he'll make you the head. You may, you may have been at the bottom, but he'll make you the top. He says David couldn't possibly be a king based on what he's doing now. Just like some of you think, I couldn't possibly see myself debt free with all this debt. And then I read an article the other day that the Department of Education was forced to cancel hundreds of millions of dollars of student loans. And I said, didn't I prophesy that? In one day, what was struck down, a court said there's been an appeal filed. And... Watch. So David, I got, I got to finish. David, 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 David. David didn't possibly look like he could ever be king. And when Samuel saw him, Samuel said, ha, this is him. Well, he doesn't look like it. Because God says, the treasure's not out here. We spend so much time out here. And sometimes it's raggedy in here. But just touch your neighbor. You got two more times to do it. And just say, get that inside together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when you deal with your inside, you're dealing with your root issues. When you deal with your inside, you're dealing with the issues and the matters of your heart. He says, David, David, you're going to be king, David. He anoints him. And when he anoints him, when he anoints him, please understand this. David is, is gifted as a pastor and shepherd. The Bible says that David is gifted to lead people. He's gifted to shepherd people. To move them along and take them on a journey with him. So then how was David afflicted? Watch this. Rejection. Because he was gifted, he had to be afflicted with the very thing he was going to need to have, which was an acceptance of people in order to be able to lead people. I'm talking it through because I want to make sure you get it. Check this out. Check this out. Can I give you another example? Uh, there's this guy in the Bible, in the book of Acts, his name is Stephen. And Stephen now is uh, gifted as an evangelist. The gift of evangelism is the gift to preach. He's gifted in his evangelism. If you go up old school church, an evangelist was something they made people who never wanted anybody to Jesus. But I'm an ordained evangelist. That don't exist. Doesn't. It's a gift. Say it's a gift. And I'll teach you more about this on this Wednesday. Stephen. Say Stephen. Stephen is gifted as an evangelist, he's gifted to tell people. Now in business, they'll call people product evangelists. Okay? Well, they'll say so-and-so, they got this great product. They got little kids on YouTubes that are product evangelists, where they're doing tour reviews and getting millions of views on YouTube to talk about, I have my superhero girl, and I really like my superhero girl. because, I <laughs> And they're getting paid millions of dollars to open up toys. Next week, when you, when, if your child comes down there, every child in attendance is going to get something. You, when they come get their toy, turn your camera on. <laughs> Tell me about the toy, baby. <laughs> upload, upload, upload. <laughs> Cut the check. Stephen was an evangelist. I'm talking through it. We're going to get here in just a moment. Stephen was an evangelist, but if you look at his life, when Stephen's voice became a threat to the system... He was silenced by a system. He's gifted. So the only way to gift somebody whose job is to speak is to silence them. 
Silence them through guilt. Now I want to preach. Silence them through shame. Silence them through rejection. Silence them through uh, the failures of their past. To silence them because of how they messed up in their 20s, 30s, 40s. I'm talking to somebody because God says your greatest weapon, you ain't even used it because you've allowed yourself to be shut down and silenced. Timothy, spiritual son to the apostle Paul. Timothy was gifted as an apostle, a sent one. Paul hand-trained him, mentored him, fathered him. Everybody can't be. That's why out of the thousands of people that the apostle Paul reached, out of all of them, he only had two that he called son. Genuine sons, he said. Timothy and Titus. He said, the rest of them, they're nice guys. He said, he said they're real nice. They come to church, they serve, they put their badge on, they do that. He said, he said but I can't pour into them because they won't sit still long enough. The Apostle Paul, he says, I got this guy, Timothy. And he says, there's nobody like him. Say, nobody like him. He's gifted to be an apostle. Apostle is in the Greek, this word apostello. Stay with me. It means a sent one. One that's sent to do a specific task in the earth. One that is sent to build a movement, not just a monument. And what's significant about the, Timothy's life is that Timothy, watch this. Say he's gifted. But you want to know what? He's afflicted. What's his affliction? He's abandoned. How do you know he's abandoned? Because when the Apostle Paul was writing him in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number, uh, uh, chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse number 5, it says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded in you as in you also. The, uh, Timothy's father was a Greek, and he was a rolling stone. Wherever he laid his hat, and when he died, oh, no, 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 no. Sing. He laid his hat was his home. <laughs> Got to do that bass too. Got to do that bass too. Check this out. Because he's gifted, he had to be afflicted with the very thing he would combat it as he led. He was gifted to be a sent one, so he had to be dropped by who he was sent to. His father abandoned him and was nowhere to be found. And the only two pillars of example he had were his mother and grandmother. And so now his whole life, while he's leading men and building men, he's looking behind him saying, but where's my daddy? <laughs> but I came to tell somebody, even though you're afflicted, touch the neighbor and say, I'm still gifted. Which brings me to these three simple points. I'm going to give them to you. Boom, 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 real fast. Number one, spiritual gifts must be desired. Say, I may be afflicted, but I'm still gifted. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, but earnestly desire the best spiritual gifts. Why? Because God wants to use you. I'm here to tell you, God has a plan and you're part of that plan. God wants to use you in one of the seven spheres of society, of family media, church, arts and entertainment, government, education, or business with the ultimate goal of building the church because the only thing Jesus is building is his church. And guess what? You're already in one of those seven spheres of society. And let me tell you what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to take your lessons learned plus the wisdom from your wounds and your spiritual gifts. And here's what you're supposed to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. And so God was pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. He says the only reason you're on that job is to reconcile people back to God. You're not there to make friends. 
You're not there to be popular. You're there to get people to Jesus because the only thing Jesus is building is his church. That's why I said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Second point, spiritual gifts must be developed. Earnestly desire the best spiritual gifts. Desire is sown when you're serious about being developed. God says, I only know you really desire something when you're serious about being developed. Watch this. Develop means to be changed over time to be stronger and more useful. Listen to me, Dallas. Listen to me, everybody. Something can only be developed to the level it's submitted. Back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that's in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I'm persuaded and in you also. Watch verse 6 of 2 Timothy chapter 1. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He said, Timothy, there's some gifts in you. Some were in you, part of your treasure. Some you didn't have that you'd need, so I laid hands on it and gave it to you. Let me say this to you. Listen to me. Listen to me. Paul's role in Timothy's life is my role in your life. To unlock you and then develop everything God has placed on the inside of you. That's why we come here. We just don't come here so we can shout about uh, uh, overcoming. That's good. We don't just come here so we can shout about what we conquered in the week. That's good too. We come here so that we can leave and be better. The real mark of whether or not you're getting this is not how you act in here. The real mark of whether or not you're getting this is how you act out there. And let's just have an honest moment. I think there's some of us, you know what I'm about to say, who we may not be where we want to be. But we can thank God that we're not where we used to be. Somebody holler, I'm being developed. Last point, spiritual gifts must be deployed. You're afflicted because you're gifted. Okay? If you don't have all three aspects, you got lessons from loss. Everybody in here lost something. Ain't it true? You got some wisdom from your wounds. Everybody in here has been wounded, right? Okay, but that spiritual gifts component is the last piece of your treasure that has to be developed. It has to be desired. And then here's the final point. It must be deployed. 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received a gift, minister or serve it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I'm going to say it again. 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received a gift, minister, say minister, or serve, say serve, serve it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God says, look at me, in the army, um, there are those that are in reserves, or military, I should say, those are reserves. Any military folk in here? Y'all make some noise for our military folk. We'll pre- I said make some noise for our military folks. Huh? You got those that are in reserve, but then you have those that are, that are deployable. They're ready to be deployed. They're active duty. Here's my point with today's message. Say, I've been afflicted because I'm gifted. Watch this. So now God says, I'm ready to deploy you. God says, you've been in the reserves on the benches for too long. God says, you've been sitting back waiting on God to do something for too long. Today, God says, I'm ready to deploy you. Everybody in Denver, God says it's time for the people of Harvest to be deployed. 
For everybody in Dallas, it's time for the people to be deployed. To every digital campus, it's time to be deployed. First Peter 4.10, everybody's received a gift. What did he say? He said, serve, minister. That means serve it to one another. Look at your neighbor for the last time today and just say, you've got gifts. Have they been deployed? What is the point of lessons from your losses, wisdom from your wounds, if you don't do nothing but sit up on it? Say, I'm ready. Talking like an army. Say, I'm ready to be deployed. Here's why I slowed the message down, because I wanted to make sure you get it, because we could have been shouting, you and neighbor would have been spinning on their head and hanging from the rafters. Oh, no, your neighbor's wild in church. You need to know that. Don't let them fool you with that nice church face. They are an animal in here. Here's the deal. I slowed it down because I need you to understand the seriousness of what I'm saying. If your gifts are never deployed, then what exactly are you doing on earth? Are you just living to pay bills and die? Are you, are you just living to, to pop out a few babies and leave some life insurance and die? Or when you exit the earth, do you want to exit? Watch this. Not because you're tired. Not because you're sick. Not because you're weary. But because you've done what you were sent to do. So I know the question, the question is like, Bishop, well, what are my gifts? I, I know lessons from my losses. I know wisdom from my wounds. What are my gifts? Well, I don't have time to do that today. So guess what you're going to have to do? Come see me on Wednesday. Because many of you, listen to me, you've been so wrapped up in your problems, wrapped up in your issues, wrapped up in your drama, wrapped up in all of that, that you've never unwrapped what's in you. But today, so I was afflicted because I'm gifted. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. And at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God. And they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means. That not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this with me. Say, Father... In the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. 
Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word DECISION to the phone number 59769. And when you do, I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and, and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.